Usually, I try to start off Fridays with some good news, some happiness, some positivity. But why are you laughing, PJ? Well, I just I just know what's coming after that. Like I don't know what you're going to talk about. And I'm I'm pretty excited about it now. And now I'm doing that filibustering thing that you're talking about. Uh, I don't but, think you're filibustering. I don't think you're trying to keep yeah, me no. from getting to my point. I'm just messing. But no, nah, now now I'm excited because that always comes when someone starts like that. It's always like, but that's not what I'm doing today. Yeah. Well, what do they say? <laughs> Everything before but is BS. Yeah, can yeah. be. Now I don't completely subscribe to to that thought oh, it process. Is. It but. is. It is. If you're dating someone and they come up to you and they go, "You're an amazing person. I've loved every moment we spent together. Uh, I cherish our time." This you is make, my thing. You make me a better person. But certain parts of that <laughs> sentence could be BS. Like, for instance. You're an amazing person because, hey, Christian, you are an amazing person, right? Yeah, but I don't. The, the I, it's whole, fine. the whole, I loved, I've loved every part of, of being together with you. That's that's the BS or, part because, okay, okay, like, let's, let's then we it. wouldn't be having let's this next conversation. Football. Hey, coach, <laughs> uh, I love the University of West Texas, Montana State, and it's been the pride of my life to be the head football <laughs> coach. I love every single one of these players in here. They all have my number. If they need anything, they can call me, and I am gonna be. Uh, jackalope forever, but, but. It's like everything before but is BS most of the time. Okay, so anyway, like I said, because <laughs> there's some situations that aren't like that. Anyway, it's fine. Oh, you think about one while I continue it. If you could find one situation in which but everything before but isn't BS, two things can be true at the same time. They can be, but <laughs> <laughs> so so if you continue that sentence. Is two things being true at the same time not true? Right? Exactly. So I would never, I would never use that in a sentence together. I would never put "but" in that sentence. <laughs> anyway, uh, I'm that, sorry. That being said, can we? <laughs> I'm sorry. Could you're th- being a butt right now. Can we get to the point? <laughs> That's like why this, I said I'm sorry because I, I realized what I've done to this conversation. I've done this to, done this to three now. <laughs> we're doing it again. Oh no. no. <laughs> <laughs> I almost, I almost said something bad there. Welcome to Second Down right here on ESPN Radio. Christian Gokel alongside maybe PJ Zuko. We're going to find out. I usually like to start off Fridays with some positive news, some happiness. We like to have fun on Fridays, but got some bad news to get to. For all of you fans of college football out there who are hoping to see a 12-team college football playoff, maybe even an 18, hell, some of y'all wanted a 16. For anyone out there who wanted something beyond what we have right now, bad news. You're going to have to wait until 2026 until you potentially see it. No agreements uh, were able to be filed uh, today. The college football playoff committee met, uh, which is all of the commissioners and Notre Dame's athletic director. Still love that. But that being <laughs> said, couldn't come to a consensus, and so they're going to keep things the same. A lot of the disagreements came with how much bowls uh, were going to be involved in at the ACC. Really didn't want to see this get pushed through without taking a big, hard look at what college football is going to be in the future. Because remember back, this really started tracking pre-media days. 
last year where you had like the secret meetings in airports and stuff like that, Greg Sankey and, and Bob Bowlesby and those guys meeting and, and discussing potentially moving to a 12-team playoff format and then presenting it because uh, they just they found it to be the way in which most people were happy. And then SEC Media Days happens, which if you forget what happened at SEC Media Days, it wasn't just Lane Kiffin gawking at the numbers of Bryce Young's NIL deals. It was Oklahoma and Texas, the rumblings and the announcements starting to come out that they could be on the move to the SEC. So once that happened, everything kind of hit a skid. And now the brakes have fully been locked on. And so we are going to see what we have now until 2026. And for the people who are like, oh, yeah, don't, don't say never. No, like this college football playoff committee came out and said, we'll reapproach this at the end of the current deal, which expires in 2025. So unfortunate news, PJ, for all those fans out there whose teams hover between eighth and ninth. <laughs> well, I mean, uh, for a lot of fans, I think, uh, I mean, it is what it is. I am disappointed in the news for sure. Uh, that Because I feel like, again, e- even when you had conversations going on in like October and November, and basically it came out like we need to get this done by December or it's not going to happen. Um, or at least it's not going to happen for the upcoming year. Uh, you know, I thought there was some traction there. And obviously that those meetings kind of came and went. So uh, it's frustrating. Uh, because I was I was just listening to some people talk about this uh, be- before we came on, and it it is frustrating because I feel like we have progressed obviously in in the way we decide our champion in college football, uh, and and progressing is one thing, but there's being good enough and a little bit better than before, and being the best you can have, and and you know really finalizing that. And do I know what the perfect system is? No, but but I know that four teams for a, a college football sport that has five power conferences and even more conferences that, than that that can compete, uh, I know that four teams isn't right. Sure, is it right for your TV ratings and your arguments and, and the media who you know want college football yeah, to be that's, talked that's about that's no matter B, what? That's the, of BJ, course. that's the BJ argument, right? Which is negativity is still creating a conversation. Right, but... It doesn't always have to be negativity. Like I, I think we've seen in the past uh, that that negativity driving the force of uh, you know people talking about your subject or people talking about you isn't always a good thing. Like, sure, is it good for a little bit? Fine, it keeps your numbers up. But is it is that lasting? No. Um, so yeah, it is. It is frustrating. It, it does frustrate me. I don't think four is is the best. Uh, I, what's funny is when this came out. Like I still remember. Uh, the the fourteen color football playoff being announced and people laughing at that it was till two twenty twenty six. At first, I was like, "Man, we gotta wait till then to to restructure this." And then the conversation, "No, nah, it'll get done before yep. that. It'll get restructured." And now, no, it's it's really happening. So it is frustrating. Is it good enough? Sure. Like I'm I'm fine with the the fourteen college football playoff, but am I happy with it? Not really. Well, let me so. say this. In, in my opinion, when it comes to the playoff system, the only reason to go to 12 would be for money, and it would be just to get more games in. Because it's not to better determine who the best team in college football is, in my opinion. Because I, I think pretty clearly you knew who the two best teams in college football were this year, and it kind of got proven again in the college football playoff where – Michigan manhandled Ohio State. 
like smacked them around to where Ohio State, who had a juggernaut offense, was just getting big boy footballed against Michigan, and then Michigan runs up against Georgia, and there's just a clear divide between those two teams. And then you see Alabama and Georgia play again. Alabama without some of their key guys. Georgia wins the national championship. Maybe if Alabama goes the other way, we're going to talk <laughs> some more Alabama here in a little while. But maybe they have some of those key guys. John Mechie doesn't go, or yeah, John Mechie doesn't go down to the SEC championship. Jamison Williams doesn't go down in the national championship. They have one of their three starting corners. Maybe it goes different, right? But it was pretty clear to me who the two best teams were. Only reason you put somebody else in the college football playoff is more money and also just to be able to, you know, not hear any arguments from the rest of college football, right? Where it's just like, hey, listen, Utah State, listen, NC State, you guys asked for this or whatever G5 school, uh, say App State goes on a run and they make the college football playoff because they go undefeated and win the Sun Belt or something like that, right? And they get beat 59 to four. They get two safeties. (laughs) <laughs> right there you go but it's just nice yeah you guys wanted this but congratulations you made the college football playoff right, right? like it, it would just be putting 10 more sacrificial lambs out there for the two best teams in college football but a lot of times you have what happened in 2019 where it's just there's one clear best team and that's just how it is like when was the last time there were three legitimate teams that could win it uh. I'd say maybe 2017 Georgia, Oklahoma, going, and Bama. Yeah, probably. I think that'd be a good one. Uh, I think going year by year like this kind of messes with my mind, uh, if I'm being honest. Yeah. It, without but something just, in front like of me. The majority me. of the semifinals are blowouts, and those are supposed to be the four best teams in the country. Right. It, yeah. I, I think some of that can be can be matchups. I, I, I don't know. And I think there's there are also, I mean, we wouldn't be arguing about it if there wasn't some smoke around it. Like, there are... Years where there is one dominant team, you're right. There are years where there's two dominant teams, you're right. I think there's also years, though, where, where people would argue that five and, six, five and six are stronger than four. They just have one more loss or, or had injuries or something like that in, in a year, and they don't get the opportunity. Um, now, are they better than number one? Who knows? We, we, we never saw it. Um, so I... I get what you're saying, especially especially recently. Uh, LSU was clear that they, they were going to win the national championship a few years ago. This year, it, it was, yeah, it was going to be Alabama, it was going to be Georgia. And I, I would argue that, to me, it was, it was pretty clear that so, Georgia was better than anyone for, for a long period of time. Um, so 5 through 12 this past year, when they did the final college football playoff rankings, was Notre Dame, Ohio State, Baylor, Ole Miss, Oklahoma State, Michigan State, Utah, and Pitt. Yeah. This year was one of the easiest years to me to, to pick at, like to pick the college football playoff. And I think there have been a few years like that, too, for sure, over the over the time of the college football playoff. that It's been like, all right, it's these four, and, and that's, that's going to be it. And that's just how it panned out. But I, I think expanding it, and having the possibility for those other teams is for those other years. I know why. You know, it's, I, was, I was trying to find this year, and I know why. That, that's Here's one saying. year, man. No, what like, year even, was it? Even, again, even then, I was actually arguing against family members and against someone in this office, Kevin, who thought that Penn State should be in over yeah, Ohio so, State. So 2016, so, yeah, 2016, Penn State finishes 11-2, and two, Ohio State finishes 11-1. and one. 
Uh, Ohio State goes in as a three seed. Penn State number five, and go play USC in the in the Rose Bowl. Bowl. Sam Darnold. Yeah, and Penn State lost by thirty nine points to Michigan. Although that was not a, you go back and watch that game. You know, he had three people thrown out for more than questionable targeting calls uh, for Penn State's defense, and then you lost to Pitt. Like yeah. six and six pit by three points too. So, so five, five through twelve would have been Penn State, Michigan, Oklahoma, Wisconsin. Uh, so yeah, you'd have Wisconsin, USC, Colorado, and Florida State and Oklahoma State. So you'd have one, two, three, four, five, six, three lost teams in the playoff. Right. If if they just went by the yeah, the, if, but I mean, that's if what you just to take do. it are, by the top, these are the yeah. rankings though. Like this is the college football those, playoff rankings. Those are the rankings, but yeah. that also doesn't add in. Like if there they go a, to there eight, was a thirteen and zero Western Michigan that year. All I'm saying is, if they go to eight or twelve, you know there's going to be play. Like there's yeah. there's going to be automatic so, bids okay, so, for certain yeah, so teams. Swap so. out thirteen and zero Western Michigan and put them in there for I don't know Colorado. Nobody, Western Michigan didn't they beat like Auburn or something like that in the Sugar Bowl that year? That I honestly I don't remember. I thought th- I think I thought, they lost. They might have lost by like a field goal. But that was a, that was a close. Flick, right? that, that was a really good game. Yeah, no, that, that was a that was a very good game. They had um, they had the wide receiver that's playing for Tennessee right now. Davis, right? Yeah, Corey Davis. Corey yeah. Davis. I think he's still in Tennessee. Anyway, yeah, they lost um, to your favorite football team of all time, Wisconsin, twenty-four to sixteen. Oh, it was Wisconsin. Wisconsin. That's right. See, that's how memorable that game was. There you go. I don't know, man. I just I, I get the disappointment around college football for it's exci- new things are exciting, right? But I think I just think it. Be careful what you wish for. More college football is always fun, but at the same time, I think it could take away from what makes college football so epic, which is the devastation of your team loses in week five, and you're like, "Holy cow, our season might be over." Which I think, with the expansion to the college football playoff. The way it is now and championship games, I think more so it's that second loss where it's really the dagger. Mm-hmm. But that first loss kind of puts it in where you're like, all right, this is it. You got to be perfect. Yeah. And like BJ always says, like maybe it's uh, better to lose early in the season so you, you get some things fixed, right? With the college ball play up at four, you, you pretty much got to be perfect. And you could have one weekend, but that really, you after that, yeah, you got to have all your ducks in a row. And I, I think if you go to 12, you take that away because. A, th- a three-loss Georgia is probably making it as an at-large, right? And it's a possibility like, what do you think for is sure. Infuriate people more: TCU not making the four-team or a three-loss SEC team making it? I think, like you said, you kind of got to take what you signed up for, right? I mean, yeah. I, what's what's the argument? The, the real argument there is a three-loss. They're going to be mad when a three-loss Georgia team makes it, and a one-loss ACC team doesn't. Sure. And I, I will say this: I think. Which, I mean, I would understand. About. I don't think it hurts the bowl games any more than they have already been hurt by a playoff system. I think, especially if they include some of these and expand the bowl pool to some of these other games. I, I do think it'd be cool to see some of these at home, like maybe the first round at home. Like, Can you imagine like the Horseshoe or the Coliseum hosting a playoff game, like a home playoff game? One yeah. of the SEC schools, right? A uh, home game in Tuscaloosa yeah. or the Swamp, right? That'd be nuts. That'd be incredible. But I think what they'll do, because the money is in bowl games and sponsors, I think it'll be at neutral sites for those bowl games. I mean, what, four or five years down the line when we hopefully get this, right? Right. Is you'd have it and it'd be at these different bowl games, and so you'd add some more bowl games into it. 
And so I, I don't think it would hurt it anymore. Because, I mean, if you're going to the Tax Slayer Bowl, you're going to the Tax Slayer Bowl. Like, whether there's four teams, eight teams, or 12 teams in the playoff, Tax Slayer Bowl is a Tax Slayer Bowl. Yeah. Right? You go there with four or five losses, and you have a good time. You still you still get free stuff. You get to play another game. You get to go on a kind of vacation. It's yep. a good time. Well, and that's, yeah, that's kind of my argument with that. Like, if, if people want to bring up the playoff, an expanded playoff diminishing the importance of what other college bowl games my my argument to that would be and don't take this as i don't like bowl games i'm not saying that all right kevin but i just said i'm not saying that but what's what's hurting no what's hurting the importance of bowl games is having 95 of them oh no Uh, i'm sorry like it's fine i am fine with unimportant bowl games that's cool because i like bowl games tears to the bowls right like the bahamas bowl nobody nobody really cares about the bahamas bowl of course people go to the bahamas bowl yeah but there's tears to it. Like, if you go to the Sugar Bowl, let's go to the Sugar Bowl, man. It is, but, I mean, did you care about the Sugar Bowl this I year? I always care about the Sugar Bowl. Okay. Understandable. But, I mean, that's that's my argument. I at least will hear the importance of the regular season coming into play a little bit, and, and I get that. But, at the same time, I guess unless you're in the SEC, which that's where, of course, everyone down here is, unless you're in the SEC, I still think the regular season's Pretty darn important, even if it's an eight or or twelve team playoff. Uh, but I mean, that's still where you build your team. You still got to have at least like you got to meet a threshold. Like you can't go out and be eight and four because then you're probably not making it to your conference championship game anyway. Yeah, and and you're you're done. So I still think like especially when you talk about the importance of the regular season for an ACC or like a Pac-12 team right now, there's stress on every single game for sure. Because if you lose one of them, then you're getting compared to it, like you just said, a three-loss Georgia team. Um, so I think the you, importance of the regular season you know, is still there. Diminished a little bit, sure. And, I, think, I, think, but I think very, very much so diminished. I think I'd... Mm, that's a dangerous thing to say. I think it very much so diminished it when you go to the 12 team. But that being said, it's okay. good, thing, good thing about it, silver lining, gives us something to talk about for the next four years. <laughs> so get ready. For that, I said we we're going to talk some more Alabama football. Nick Saban has some things to say about why Alabama lost the national championship to Georgia. We'll dive into that a little bit later. Uh, when we come back, we're going to be joined by Jake Crane of the J Boy Show. He thinks one of our former local high school football stars is going to play a pretty significant impact in the SEC next year. We'll dive into that when we come back right here on Second Down on ESPN Radio. Our next guest here on Second Down, he's a guy who is covering college sports in a way I think a lot of our fans would really appreciate. Has a love uh, for everything, specifically Southern college sports, but everything college basketball, college football. Jake Crane of the J-Boy Show joins us here. Jake, thanks for taking the time, man. Hey, man, I I appreciate you uh, having me on, and uh, it's been a minute, and hope everybody's doing good out there as uh, we get to hopefully some warmer weather. Oh, yeah, I mean, just a, a... Beautiful 70 degrees outside today. We did a little, little bit of rain, but we're, we're finally coming in uh, to, I think, getting rid of whatever winter is in South Georgia. But, Jake, reason I'm having you on today, man, is you cover Auburn about as good as anybody on the national landscape. And we have a guy from our backyard there in Holden Garner uh, has been committed to Auburn for a while now. It was kind of rocky uh, when they went through the head coaching transition and then when they went through the offensive coordinator transition, but ends up committing he's out there right now and early enrollee and they've had an interesting quarterback situation right you have the namesake Bo Nix transfers out goes up to Oregon you bring in Zach Calzada you have a couple other guys on the roster but on the Locked On Auburn podcast 
Uh, you you say you think Holden Garner might have a shot to take this starting job. Yeah, you know, I I think he has a shot. You you never want to put a true freshman in there starting in the uh, SEC, let alone the SEC West, as, as you guys know. But you look at that roster, Calzada, you know, has, has been beat up. You know, he's going to be very limited in the spring. Uh, to be honest with you, I, I don't think he's, you know, a guy that's going to come in and be a huge difference maker uh, for Auburn from a personnel standpoint. Robbie Ashford from Oregon, uh, I, I don't see him winning the job. Uh, the big, the biggest kind of wild card to me is Demetrius Davis, uh, D. Davis, uh, the the young uh, redshirt freshman uh, out of Texas. But his game is a whole lot different than all the other players' games. I mean, he's more of a dual threat guy. It looks like Brian Harson wants to run a pro style offense. You just wonder when you have a bunch of quarterbacks that are built for a pro style, and you only have one that's built for more of a dual threat style. Will you change and re-engineer the offense to fit one guy? That's the biggest question. So while it's not a great situation to start uh, a retro or a true freshman quarterback, uh, I really don't think he will start. My biggest thing was that he probably has the most upside of any of those guys. What is it that you see in his game? Because obviously we watched him play a lot, and maybe we get a little bit biased, but he was playing some really tough competition uh, in the state of Georgia, went through schools like Marist, uh, and Carver Columbus to win a state championship this past year through for like 400 yards and four touchdowns in the state championship game. When you watch his game, what is it about it that tells you he's the most polished potentially in that room? Well, you know, I, I don't think he has a lot of weaknesses. You know, you know, you watch what he does. You watch the way he operates. He can, you know, obviously throw from the pocket. It looks like he understands what he's seeing. He'll only get better at that. Uh, but his ability to throw from different arm angles, uh, his ability to throw on the run, his ability to anticipate. Because, look, it's, it's just like anything. Most people that are the best at something have the people around it. They, they could just, you know, kind of sense things and do things that other guys can do at a very high level uh, as the young kid that, that you can see on the field. So, you know, we talk about leadership and all that stuff, and, and you know, there's a lot of good leaders out there. But when you when you – kind of put leaders with the type of moxie that he has uh, I think that's why he has a chance to do some damage and, and maybe do some damage early and, and I know especially in the SEC it could be all about narratives and storylines throughout the year especially a team that lost what five six games in a row uh, to finish yeah. the season so in Auburn maybe a quarterback that's not a retread maybe that fresh start could be what Auburn needs yeah but you know and, and again uh, I mean we've you guys have kept up with it as as long as I have it's not a situation you want to be in unless you have an alien you know very rarely does a true freshman you know be able to come in high school at any position uh, let alone the quarterback position and and be able to to do damage to guys that you know have been in a collegiate weight room for three to four years I mean you're basically playing against NFL players most of the time so uh, I I think it just speaks to his talent level Uh, I think I think it speaks to his upside uh, and I'm excited to see how Holden does. I just, you know, I like his vibe, too. And, and yeah. he stuck with Auburn uh, when you had a lot of changes. I mean, hell, they still don't have an offensive coordinator, uh, which is a pretty big deal when you're playing quarterback. No, for sure. And just, I guess, kind of transitioning from that, uh, you've been intrinsically covering this past, I guess, two months now, uh, really since the Derek Mason news kind of broke. But then just the, the scandals and the storylines and the fake Auburn Twitter accounts, uh, posting that Auburn, or Brian Harson had been fired, just all of the craziness around it. Can you kind of just give us what actually happened in that situation? Uh, yeah, I mean, here's the thing I don't understand. Um, 
you know, when you when you look at Auburn, and look, Auburn has gotten in its own multiple times. Schools get in their own way. Sometimes it happens. But it's, it's masochism at its finest. Uh, you drug yourself through the mud ultimately for no reason. Uh, you, you, you were put in the public eye for no reason. It's, I call it the Edward Norton syndrome from Fight Club. You were just beating the hell out of yourself the whole time, and then you find out at the end it's really for no reason. There you go. Uh, could it end up being a blessing in disguise, though? Because I was looking at this whole situation, I was thinking, man, Auburn's on the very cusp of maybe becoming Florida State here, where you give a guy a year, a year and a half, and then you fire him, and all of a sudden you're looking like Florida State. Yeah, well, you know, again, there's there's a bunch of ways that you can look at it. You know, my my thing, my thing when I look at it from a whole is the da- a lot of damage has been done. Like the negative recruiting that's going to take place is going to take place. But like, and if you're Brian Harson and you're Auburn, let's say Brian Harson goes and balls out for two years, and then you know somebody comes and offers him a, a, another job. Not that there's a bunch of better jobs that are better than Auburn. But if you're Brian Hartson, are you really trusting the administration that the first time it goes bad, you're not going to try and do this again? Uh, so I, I think it's a double-edged sword. Uh, I was, that, that's why I said, I mean, you did all this damage to yourself for no reason. There you go, Jake Crane, host of the J-Boy Show. Kind enough to take some time with us. Jake, we appreciate it, man. I know you're busy out there, middle of college basketball season. Hell, Auburn's a basketball school now, so I know you're staying busy. Uh, yeah, we well, you know we cover everybody, man. We got a big announcement coming up uh, here at the uh, end of February, early March, uh, launching on a, a brand new platform that's that's massive. We're really excited. Uh, you can find us right now at the J Boy Show YouTube channel. Uh, you'll see the "Win the Water Cooler" slogan. I literally came up with that out of nowhere, which is hilarious. But uh, check us out on Twitter and uh, social media at the J Boy Show. But now, yeah, college basketball—it's hot and heavy. March Madness, baby. It's on the doorstep. The greatest uh, postseason sporting event on the, world, in the on the planet, not in the planet. I don't know what they're doing in the planet. Listen, we, we, we covered Georgia basketball here, so we don't know a whole lot about that whole March Madness thing. But it hey, sounds – Tom Green's got to be gone, right? It, you would think so. You, you would certainly think so. But, the, hey, March Madness sounds fun. Maybe maybe one day uh, we'll see Georgia get there. Who knows? But, again, Jay, Jay Crane joining us here. Like I said, he covers college sports in a way I think a lot of our fans would really enjoy. Uh, he mentioned all of his tags there. We'll follow him on Twitter at the J-Boy Show to find all of his stuff. Jake, I appreciate the time, man. Enjoy your weekend. All right, buddy. Y'all, uh, appreciate y'all having me. Y'all have a great weekend as well. Second Down on ESPN Radio is presented to you by the Uniform Source. Christian Gokel alongside PJ Zuko. Cameron should be hanging out with PJ a little bit later as they cover the Region 3 3A championship game there between Groves and Windsor Forest. That coming up about 6.30, uh, depending on when the first couple of games get finished there. Uh, but PJ, you know, you have many skills. Here here and there. I mean, so I feel like people give PJ, me... PJ, you have many skills. I, I feel like people give me more credit than uh, maybe maybe I should get for some things, but uh, a few, yeah, sure. One of them, <laughs> one of those skills, PJ, I think is leadership. Hey. All right? What? You know how to get out there. You know how to take charge of a situation. Thanks, man. You know, I appreciate and that. And so I like, I like, I like listening to guys like you. You know, you guys giving passion speeches. You yeah. fire up the troops. Can no, I've heard you that. You rally before. the fellas, yeah. and then you I get trounced, to. and then you get trounced by us in old man football. But that being said, well, hey, now, uh, yeah, I that mean, just a big setup. To is that 
That was just a big setup to come down on top. Of is you. that because of the people not catching the football and and not getting open, or is or is that completely okay, on? The, All I know is we played together one time. Is and that we completely were on the leader? We were scoring long touchdowns. You're throwing wide. I was like basically Devonta Smith on a wide open down the field. It was and, pretty nasty. Yeah, and then you know switching sides, but that's okay. It got to a point that it was like PJ and Christian can't be on the same team. Yeah, that's true. It wasn't yeah. fair. But that being said, love listening to good coaches just do some coach speak, and that's exactly uh, what Nick Saban was doing. Is at a, the Alabama Football Coaches Association, and whenever Nick Saban speaks, I like to listen. A lot of people like to jump on him and say, "Oh, come on, Silver Spoon, work at Alabama, a uh, little preachy there, Nick." I don't care. I, I gobble it up. Everything Nick Saban says, <laughs> big fan of. And you're like, okay, all right, a little bit of a butt kisser. Ninety nine percent of football coaches out there. You know me. I'll call it the coach speak. Not a huge fan of it, right? As Kevin screams into his phone with the door open to the studio. God, they don't care about our show. But that being said, when Nick Saban talks, I listen. And so he was speaking at the Alabama Football Coaches Association. I keep wanting to say Alabama Football Coaches Association of Alabama, like dodgeball. <laughs> That's incredible. Maybe they should be. They should be probably called but, that. But that he gave some reasons as to why Alabama lost the national championship. And like with anything Nick Saban does, he tries to put a message behind it to his current players, right? But a lot of people are jumping on Nick Saban and saying, this sounds like excuses. I want to get PJ Zuko's take on whether or not this sounds like excuses to you. All right, we lost the national championship game all right, because basically, you know, we had three corners out, both starters and the best backup. All right, so we're playing with some guys that didn't have a lot of experience, and it eventually got us in the fourth quarter. All right, and we had the kind of team where we had a really good quarterback, and we wanted to have skilled guys that they couldn't guard. So we had two that were really, really good, Mechie and Jamo, and they both got hurt. So now we were playing with guys that typically didn't have to play at those positions. So the lesson to be learned was there were three guys, and I'm not calling out any names, I, that basically didn't do the things they needed to do throughout the season I, because they were frustrated with their circumstance. And this is a story that you should take back to your team so players understand this. So they're frustrated with their circumstance because they're not playing as much as they want to. They're outcome-oriented. They want to worry about how many balls they catch or how much playing time they get or whatever it is. So they don't focus every day on being a complete player at their position, and they don't work and practice and prepare for the games because they say to themselves, why should I do this? I'm not going to play anyway. So we had three guys. They all had a significant role in the national championship game, and not one of them, not one, could take advantage of the opportunity that they had. Because they never ground through it. They never made themselves the best player they can be. And when they got the opportunity, they couldn't do it. It's a lesson for everybody. What comes first? Playing time? Or making sure that you're ready to play and create value for yourself when you get the opportunity? All right, so th there you go. I, of course, I have to come back with an all right. I just, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, right. so, it's so prevalent. Especially, the, I don't know. It's, it's, his it's, crutch, it's his crutch word, but that being said, and everybody knows, all right. All right. All right. <laughs> that being said, the, the message there, right? He says we have a bunch of guys out, and then three guys. Well, I'm not saying who. 
I'm not saying who. Yeah, right. We had three guys, and they were more worried about complaining about not playing all year than getting ready. Does that sound like excuse making to you, or is that is that just Nick Saban dropping some word knowledge on us? Um, I I don't think it it sounds. It started to sound like excuses. You know, when when he started to explain the the situation, which. That started that the beginning of. Okay. I'd say, say the this? first half sounded like. If your excuse is that we lost two first round pick wide receivers, we lost our three starting corners, our two outside corners, and our nickel. I think that's a, if you're gonna do excuses. Yeah, I mean I that's, that's a pretty fine. damn good excuse. That's fine. That's a great excuse. It's also like you, you can't change that. It happened, man. It is what it is. Like. And he listed, I'm just saying, he listed that, like, everyone knows. Like, everyone knows that happened. You don't have to go through that again. Um, I, I really do, though, if, if I'm being honest. Like, yeah, I, I think that has, especially with, think about the situation that not only college football coaches, but college football players are, are in every single week nowadays. And it's, do I transfer? Do I get out of here? Okay, I'm glad you, you know brought what that I mean? up. Because, I'm, I'm glad you brought like, that up. Am, am, am I just... Because these two guys are in front of me, like who knows if I get the opportunity next year? I got you know seventeen five stars coming in behind me. It, you know it's every single week. So to hear him say that that affected those players, yeah. and as a coach, when when I mean, let's be honest, like the, the biggest thing he has to do on the football field is is keep control and and keep a gauge on his players and and like where they're at, right? And if he's seeing that every single day, every single week, and that's actually something that he's seeing, then, yeah, I, th- I think that is a big point. Now, well, one thought- could also argue that, that you're at Alabama and those guys are five stars and, and they should be able to just go out and, with pure skill and well, you, be they, able to do they, what they need they to could, do. But, they could against any eh, team but that one. But not Georgia. Yeah, not could, the best you, defense yeah, in college football. You could do it football. against any defense Agreed. but that one. Yeah. But I'm glad you said what you said because Josh Pate from 247, he said – Every other coach in America, and this is true of every single coach, they are kissing five stars' butts, trying to say, hey, here's what you need. Like, yeah. We, we got you. We're going to take care of you, whatever you need. Just don't leave. Right? Nick Saban's out here like just publicly daring him to do it. Well, not only that, he just went out and got a replacement for one yeah. of them. At least one of them. And right? Jermaine Burton, yeah. Exactly. Well, no, two of them, because he went out and he got, uh, he got Jermaine Burton, and then he goes out and gets... Uh, God, no. Eli Ricks from LSU, exactly. corner, the best corner in the country. So it's just, I just love that because Nick Saban's out here saying, in a world where we are doing everything we can to keep five stars happy, to keep them on campus because they can leave now whenever they want to for free, Nick Saban's out here publicly daring them to do something. And that's why, like, that's, that's why hilarious. I actually respect what he said. Like, I, I don't, I don't view that very much as. Listen, there's excuses for things, and then there's reasons, and then to to me, there are two very different things. Uh, oh. re- reasons are, is yeah. stuff that actually it, it, it just it happened. It is what it, it happened, and whether it sounds outlandish or not, it's true. Excuses are ah yeah. I just this held me back for like you're, you're talking about being late to something. This held me back for forty five minutes. Like yeah. dude, that affected you for five minutes. Yeah. Like so that's an excuse, right? So yeah, I I do believe absolutely what he's saying because of that reasoning behind it of. If if that wasn't true, why would he be saying it? If that wasn't true, why would he be daring them to to get out of there? You know that's not going to make them happy at the end of the day. But also now it kind of puts the onus back on the players of, all right, what are you going to do with it? Are you going to come back? Are you going to be ready for your shot next time? Or are you going to let that get to you 
and let it affect you and, and keep doing more of the same. And also, if you're Nick Saban, you're saying, are you really going to transfer? You're a wide receiver. And From you're gonna Alabama, leave, yeah. You're going to leave Alabama. Come on, man. You got or, Bryce Young coming back. We're about to pump two more into the NFL. <laughs> yeah. Get out of here. Or don't get out of here. Or do whatever you want to. Or do whatever. We're, we're going to be here no matter what. Yeah, I got Jermaine Burton. It's fine. We'll be back in the college football playoff no matter what next year. It's fine. With or without you. Fascinating. And anytime Nick Saban's got something to say, the show, Nick Saban's staying account. The show right here. I don't even. It's not even stand. No, no, it's I, like I respect, am. man. No, no. I just when people say stand, I think it's like oh, they, they think it's over the top and it without is. purpose or without reason. No, no, no. He he absolutely deserves everybody's respect. And when when Nick Saban does go to talk it and say things it, you probably should I listen. All right. All right. All right. I think. Oh, buddy. You know what weekend it is. Get it going. We got the Daytona 500. That's it. Coming your way this weekend. I'm glad you're talking like that because I don't. it makes me not have to. But yes, sir. Could your voice handle it right now is the real question. No, probably, but I'm, you know, we need to be able to handle the excitement for later as well. And for Sunday morning, Green White Checker. That's right. Is there any other song you should be blaring besides this one? I mean... Song, song of your choice, but I, I mean, this is the one that I would choose. Like this is sure. you, just slingshot engaged, passing people. You got four new tires on there. Oh you're yeah, full of gas. You found the groove, and you, you're tracking them down. You got the draft behind you, pushing you in a train, just getting ready to go, ready to take that who's that gonna, white flag. Who's gonna win, PJ? Ah, uh, who do we have? Who do we have win last night? Yeah, yeah, Brad Keselowski and. Um, Chris Busher actually, Roush Fenway, Kozlowski Racing, sweeping the dual races. Um, I don't think it'll be them. I don't think it's going to be Denny Hamlin again, even though he's he's probably the favorite. Uh, you know who's been close, but who hasn't been able to come away with it? I'll go with Martin Truex Jr. Oh, yeah? I'll go with Martin Truex Jr. I think he gets a good jump off uh, to the year, avoids all the big wrecks. Uh, I think we had, we had a crazy, hectic... Wreckfield finish last year, which ended up with Michael McDowell uh, there in victory lane. I don't think it's going to be like that this year on on the final lap. I think it'll be like that way throughout the race. Uh, but you have the new cars and whatnot as well. I think it's Martin Truex Jr. and if not him, possibly a guy that wrecked yesterday in Joey Logano, as he is a a very good restrictor plate racer as well. But yeah, I'll go with Martin Truex Jr. I think he he gets it done. What are the storylines though? Like, what what should we be watching out for? Oh man, there's there's. If I am just haven't watched NASCAR in a hot minute, but you know, the Daytona 500 is going to replace football in my life. Yeah, uh, I I think the biggest thing is you look at the TV. You're going to say, is that NASCAR? Uh, because of the new cars they have, the, the next gen car. Um, you, you have the numbers push forward a little bit as well, so that's a little bit different. Are the headlights look. still painted on? Yes, of All course right, they cool. always will be. Um, <laughs> but. You have the cars looking a little bit more like sports cars now. Uh, you have the single lug uh, tires as well, so pit stops are a little bit faster. So I think that's probably the biggest thing. And then, of course, all the new faces and new teams to look out for as well. So it's going to take us some time to realize what's going on, but it's a same old drafting at the Daytona 500. 
There we go. Again, green, white, and checker coming up 9 a.m. Sunday morning. 9 to 9.30. There we go. 9 a.m. Sunday morning. P.J. Zuko going to be dra- breaking down the Daytona 500 with the fellas there. So be sure to catch the return episode there of Green, White, and Checker. Three and out coming up next right here on ESPN Radio. Ben Troop and Kevin Thomas getting you ready for the weekend.